Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome back to another edition of the 615 Sessions Podcast here from sunny, scenic, beautiful Elizabeth Park, Nashville, Tennessee. I hope everybody's having a fantastic weekend. I'm Buck Rising, by the way, if you're new to the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed. And this is the 615 Sessions in which we have my friends from Titans Media, the guys and gals that you know Well, we have a discussion as if you were in the Titans media room with us about the status and the day-to-day goings-on with your favorite football team. Today, that happens to revolve a great deal around social media, which is frankly unfortunate given that the draft is less than a week away as we record this on a Friday afternoon, but still good content and conversation ahead for you with Teron Davenport of ESPN and Steve Lehman of News Channel 5. Before we get to our friends and the great conversation ahead for you, I've got to tell you about some other great people that are in our lives. That, of course, is Two Rivers Ford. Two Rivers Ford in Mount Juliet has the Built For You program. I am a Two Rivers Ford customer. I endorse Two Rivers Ford because I am a customer. I myself went through the Built For You program at Two Rivers that allowed me to select a 2022 Ford Explorer XLT, I got the exact kind of accessories that I wanted, for example, moonroof, heated steering wheel, captain seats in the back, and a couple of other accessories that I desired, and I got the exact color that I wanted because I like my matte black 2022 Ford Explorer XLT. Two Rivers Ford built that Ford for me and delivered it directly to me. That's the Built For You program all about your convenience. So build your next Ford at Two Rivers Ford. Let's get to TD and Steve. Welcome back to another episode of the 615 Sessions podcast. We got the main man, Teron Davenport, the OG, talking with TD, the podcast. Of course, all the written work at ESPN.com. We've got our good buddy, Steve Lehman of News Channel 5 here with us as well. Boys, the last podcast before the NFL draft, so naturally we have to lead off Teron with the idea that Ryan Tannehill's social media team is posting uh, Celsius uh, Celsius commercials <laughs> in the middle. Teron, make it stop. I'm so tired of this shit. I'm just tired. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm tired too. And and Mr. Brown, Arthur Wan, that is, he's not making it any better as far as the social media thing. Hey, look, man, you know, that's how these young guys do it. They, they like to get on there. But I think Tannehill, just the optics of all this is, it's terrible and it's just it's a really lack of being able to read the room and understand what it is that can be drawn from these things whereas okay he's not there but then on top of that he's posting you know <laughs> a fishing trip whether or not that is taking place now is, is is uh you know to be determined but yeah it's, it's a little crazy Steve, I am somebody who's made a career out of oversharing on the internet, and I got nothing on AJ Brown. Honestly, I don't. No. I, don't I got nothing on him. <laughs> no, and 
at what point do we have to call up Herm Edwards and come in and have like an intervention with these guys? I mean, right. it's not just don't press send, like don't get online. And specifically with AJ, I'm with you, TD. I don't understand the Tannehill thing. Just the optics are terrible, but Ryan Tannehill's going to be here this year. There's no question about it. He's going to show up in a couple weeks on the field. I don't think that's that big of a deal. I have serious concerns when we're talking about the A.J. Brown side of this, because when you talk to the Titans, they obviously want him here. They're not going to trade him or anything like that. But when you look at the type of stuff that A.J. is reading and reacting to that doesn't have anything to do with what the people inside St. Thomas Sports Park think, does he actually believe this stuff? Does he think that the Titans maybe don't think he's a good teammate or don't want him around? Because he's talked in the past about how he has struggled with depression. And what's the worst place you can be if you're struggling mentally? It's in the hell box of Twitter. And that's where he's hanging out right now. I mean, I fear a little bit. Right here. This is this is the hell. Right here, just in the mentions, all of it, right there. (laughs) The the Debo Samuel thing crystallized this for me because the 49ers were saying the exact same things that the Titans were saying about A.J. Brown, about Debo Samuel. And then all of a sudden this week, Debo Samuel's like, "Uh -uh, uh-uh, I'm out. I want you to trade me. And that's my concern here with A.J. Brown is it seems crazy. But if he's truly – engrossed himself in this social media world and he's reading all of that stuff at what point does it become toxic for him to the place that he may ask for a trade because somehow he thinks it's better someplace else yeah and that's well, the problem go ahead td no i mean that that really is the problem is you know the business of football has shifted so much to where the game, I, I call it LeBronification of the NFL. And what you're seeing is, is gravitating more towards that NBA type of mindset and approach where it's more me, 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 and not as much team. And I think that's really where the issue is. Well, and like, you know, at some point there was going to be a market correction with what you're talking about, right, Teron? Because you, you, I mean, you know, having spent so much time, and both of you guys having spent so much time covering professional athletes across the course of your career, that they're, they have all the balance of power almost, I don't want to say exclusively, but the balance of power has been in our favor as far as media, because we've been the ones with the platform, we've been the ones with the microphone, we've been the ones with the publications, whatever. And now the athletes, because of the nature of their accomplishments and because of their their gifts and their ability, they have the platform and it's shifted so it's it's an overcorrection to where, you know, shockingly enough in today's day and age, we've lost center in the middle of everything. And now you have, you know, I mean, Debo Samuel's mother on Instagram live with Debo on the phone with AJ Brown talking about the business that their agent is relaying between the two of them about how the Titans and the Niners don't want to give them more than $20 million a year. Like this whole thing, it's always been emotional and difficult to go through contract negotiation. I'm sure the two of you have been through difficult and emotional contract negotiations, right? I think all three of us can speak to that to a lesser degree. We're not negotiating $100 million paydays. Maybe Steve is. I don't know. He's got a nice No, no, nothing close. (laughs) but still right these things can be raw they can be difficult but now in this interconnectedness of social media 
we're seeing those emotions play out in real time where, yeah, you right. know, I may be pissed off about a certain offer that was put in front of me, but I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to freak out about it because I know one, it's not in my best interest. And two, I've seen a bunch of bad things happen to people who do overshare. Now you've got Aaron Rodgers making a stink of, of things in green Bay only to go come back to green Bay. You've got Tom Brady orchestrating some kind of like, secret coup to become the part owner of the dolphins and retire for 40 days and bring Sean Payton and Miami with him. Like it's all gone crazy. And why shouldn't the next generation of athletes think that they have more leverage than they actually do? Because the precedent being set is that of, yeah, it's our turn to kind of control this. When in reality, the teams still had, at least in the particular situation of AJ Brown and Debo Samuel, the teams, Tehran, still hold the majority of the leverage. Well, and that's the thing that we have to look at. Technically, A.J. Brown could be under contract, should be under contract with the Titans for the next three years. And the way that will work, you have the 4.5 this year, then you have the tag next year, and you have the tag after that. They typically have three years of control of A.J. Brown. Now, that thing could get really ugly, right? It could go the Le'Veon Bell route where you have a guy holding out. I don't think it would. But that is the leverage. That's where it's at. Now, it's different if that franchise tag wasn't there. It, that's a different situation. But that's why I understand AJ's leveraging, or not leveraging, but campaigning for a new deal now because he doesn't want it to get to that point where you have that franchise tag. He wants the deal now. And also, this is a guy, let's remember, he has dealt with some injuries as well. So... God forbid a major injury happens. Now his negotiating standpoint is a lot different than it would be if he were to do it now. And I think you look at Chris Godwin's contract, three years, 60 million. Chris Godwin is a very good receiver. In my opinion, he's right there with DJ Moore. He's better than Christian Kirk, but both of those guys got better deals than him and substantially better deals. Well, but yeah. Steve, the, the market has been wrecked at this point by Jacksonville. Not It's not Christian Kirk's fault that, that, that Jacksonville is paying the, hey, we suck, but we'll pay you well, tax in free agency, right? We saw this with Christian Kirk. We saw this with Brandon Scherf. But specifically with the wide receiver market, um, it, is, it is well within the team's rights as well to look at this and be like, yeah, okay, Tyreek Hill can make $30 million and uh, Devontae Adams can make 28 and a half and Stephon Diggs can make 26 and a half and that will be indicative of both their resume and their production and the talent that they still have the years that they still have left to give. But the problem here is while AJ and, and Debo still have done, have accomplished things in the league and have incredible upside and sustainability for years to come, there's a tier there. And we're talking about the most positionally dependent position in the NFL. One of them now making the most non quarterback money in the sport teams know that the most drafted position almost every year now, Steve, is the wide receiver. And they're looking at that and being like, I mean, you guys are great. We love you. But, you know, just be aware of the circumstance around you. There's no question. This market has gone crazy and it's going to continue to go in that way. And A.J. Brown is absolutely going to get paid at some point by the Titans. And I think he's going to be around. I just go back to what we're talking about there is all of a sudden, all of this is getting aired out and you know, all the complaints of the past, these guys talk to their agent, maybe they talk to their mother, 
or whatever and tried to figure it all out, but it wasn't broadcast on Instagram Live. And now because of that, you have all the fans trickling in and it just becomes this vicious cycle that I think can lead to a very bad place. But AJ does have the benefit. You guys are right about the Titans having to leverage a lot. But AJ does have the benefit of one, he's coming in on the back end of this, this season of the wide receiver, if you want to call it that. But also, he is, to me, the most important piece of this Titans offense. We all know about Derrick Henry and what he means. But Derrick Henry, just if you look at the history of running backs and certainly what his contract is, has two, three, four, you know, maybe he can prove us all wrong more than he has and continue to show that he's He-Man out there and, and extend this career. But chances are you're not getting another decade of Derrick Henry in the backfield. Right. Ryan Tannehill isn't going to be here forever. A.J. Brown could spend his entire career in two-tone blue if he wants to, because I think this team wants him to. And he's the dynamic type of player that changes their offense. And that is the thing that makes him have some real leverage in this situation. Because, T.D., you're right, the Titans can use those tags, but I really don't think they want to mess around with the guy who essentially will be the face of their offense, the face of the franchise on that side of the ball, with giving him the tag over and over again and ruffling those feathers. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's why I said they don't want that Le'Veon Bell type situation. You don't want to have your top. And I agree with you, Steve. He is the most important part of that, that offense. He played 13 games last year. They were 11 and two when he was on the field. Say, say no more. Yeah. You know what I mean? He won the 49ers game by himself. Okay. We know this. You're 100% right. But my thing is, he is 24 years old. If I was in those shoes, I'll take a three-year deal. Let's do three years. You can make it average 25 a year if you want. I mean, and that's all funny money. I want that guaranteed jack. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Three years, $85 million. Let's guarantee 65 of it. Let's go. And then what happens when he's 27, turning 28, guess what he could do? Get another crack at the apple, a la Devontae Adams, a la Stephon Diggs. Those guys are 27, 28 years old. Chris Godwin's 27 years old, and they're getting another crack. So now you get two big deals. And I think that's what, what you have to think about because you get $60 million guaranteed, 65 in this deal. Then you get another, you know, in three years, the numbers are going to just increase more. So now you get a $90 million guarantee. So now you're looking at a buck fifty guaranteed, buck fifty five guaranteed deck. I That's like that. if you can get it. Uh, listen, it's – and it – you would think that – and I don't know what the conversations with, with AJ and the team that represents him. Obviously, Tory Dandy is the lead guy at CAA, who is yeah. one of the most powerful NFL agents, which by extension makes him one of the most powerful sports agents, and he happens to represent – you know, in some form or fashion, three of the four guys who are due contracts here in the very, very near future. But, you know, I, I would all, almost think, Teron and Steve, that, that 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 would be the counsel from the representation. We can get you a shorter deal because we know that you are getting ready to enter the prime of your career. And while you can make good money to great money, I mean, nobody's going to turn their nose up at $20 million a year, regardless of what the rest of the, uh, the guys at the position are making. But we know that the money is going to be even crazier as these new television deals come down 
as now Amazon is in on the bidding on this and pumping more money into the NFL ecosystem, Apple, I'm sure, is not far away with the way that they're experimenting with uh, MLB broadcasts this year. Like the streaming wars have not yet gotten to football and made that financial impact felt in a way that is going to put money in everybody's pockets. Hopefully ours as well, all three of us and, and all of our <laughs> colleagues. We would love to see that. It's very good business to be in the business of football. But at this point, you know, it is it is going to put so much pressure on him, Steve, AJ, regardless. We, it's going to get done, right? It's going to get done. We're going to spend two, two and a half months going on and on about this. And people are going to lose their minds until it gets done. But it's going to get done in some form or fashion. But what it comes down to is with all of the things that we've just laid out, and then we can talk a little bit about the draft, because I think that's a vastly more important thing at this point. He has to produce and he is going to be held to an even higher expectation an even higher level of scrutiny and even yeah. more of this social media scorn that is clearly driving him crazy. If he's coming with a price point of 20, 21 point, whatever, tens of millions of dollars that fans are going to be able to put next to his name and be like, and say, why didn't you do the thing that you did against San Francisco in, in eight of and eight of the eight of the 17 games this year, why aren't you performing the way that we expect you to perform? Well, I think that's the other concern I have here is AJ really hasn't dealt with much scrutiny in his time with the Titans. Remember, he was a second round pick. So while these first rounders aren't performing, he comes in and he overperforms. Corey Davis was here when he was first here. So the thought was, you know, Corey Davis is the one. Here's the second round guy who comes in. Very quickly that changed, but it was kind of like dealing with bonus money because people were like, oh, well, Corey Davis hasn't lived up to being the fifth overall pick. A.J. Brown's a rock star. Though. And then you you deal with the other guys on the team. It's Henry, it's Tannehill and all that. He hasn't had to deal with much of that. He's going to deal with it a ton now. And a big chunk of it is going to be his own doing of how he's handled this situation and how yep. people have watched it from the outside. And now the questions they're going to ask, because whenever that deal gets done, He's going to have to field a million questions about, it. and then he's going to have to field questions about his relationship with the team and the quarterback and the offensive coordinator and the GM and the head coach and all those sort of things. He's going to have to deal with that. And if things don't go well this fall, then people are going to ask questions. And that's the other thing. And you can throw Tannehill in on this too, with his social media post. I mean, he's just ramping up the scrutiny that was already going to be there on him even more so whenever he shows up here. So now all of a sudden this team that's been pretty good with the chemistry, pretty good with how they've handled things inside and out, two of their most important and most well-known players are going to be under the absolute microscope this year in terms of how they act. Well, in Tehran, they've done nothing but they've they've done nothing but be public. The Titans have about their support for him in ways that they don't yeah. do. Right? Mike Vrabel's on Rich Eisen saying he's not getting AJ Brown's not getting traded he, traded as long as I'm the head coach here. The only time Mike's done anything like that was one with David Fluellen, weirdly, and two when he's telling us about how much he loves how John U. Smith's mother has raised him after a Jacksonville Jags game or something like that. Like it doesn't happen very often, but when it does, yeah. it means something. Mike seems to relish the relationship. I know you've talked about this. I know you've asked Mike and AJ about this and written on it. The relationship that the two of them have and all they have done, John Robinson as well, on the record, not once, not twice, but three times saying we're keeping this guy. Why aren't you listening to me, basically, in his press conference earlier this week? And I don't know. 
I don't know why AJ, and there's no way for any of us to know this. It would just purely be speculation. And I don't want to, you know, I don't want to paint something unfairly uh, for on, on the part of AJ Brown, but the, the fat, the attraction that he has towards the negative comments when all that surrounds the rest of it is overwhelmingly positive favorite son. We love you, AJ team fans, teammates, the whole thing. And yet he still hyper focuses on like one random sports talk radio caller who says he's a diva because that guy's probably jealous that AJ is getting ready to make $20 million a year. And that guy who's calling into a sports talk radio show is never going to see be near or anywhere in the proximity of any kind of wealth in that stratosphere. It's just silliness to me. Yeah. And it's unfortunate. I mean, that's sometimes you have, it's almost like a gift and a curse, right? Because, you know, to make it to the NFL, you're the ultimate competitor and you're someone who you always find ways to get extra motivation. And I think in this case, that's what he's doing. But right now, I don't think is the time for that. I think this will play out a lot better if he just stay off of Twitter, get off of social media, just keep your head down, keep chopping wood, keep grinding, and the results will come. And I think that's really the advice that he needs to have. And that's the advice that Derek Mason had for him when he was asked about how uh, he feels A.J. Brown should handle this situation. And that's the best advice. Just let the results come. It, 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 they're going to come. It's no secret that this team clearly, the organization clearly wants it. And that's what it boils down to. All right, so the draft is uh, less than a week away as we tape this on a Friday afternoon. It's the vastly more important part of this because not only do they need AJ and Derek and Tannehill to perform well, but they need to add contributing pieces almost immediately in this upcoming draft. I, 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 I maintain the belief that this is probably the last year that we see Tannehill and Derek together regardless of which one of them ends up being the odd man out for salary purposes or production or whatever the case may be. Both of them, Tehran, would be immediately helped by some of the many and talented offensive linemen in this draft. If they take any less than two, I'm going to riot because both of those guys could do with a little better efficiency up front. Yeah, absolutely, Ken. I think when you look at this draft, it's set up ideally for them to get an outstanding interior offensive lineman. And you look at Zion Johnson, you look at Kenyon Green. I personally have Kenyon Green as my top-rated guard. But the thing that's really interesting about him is he's played all four positions. Well, four out of five positions, put it that way. And in a pinch, he could bump out and play tackle. Now, I wouldn't want that to be his first position, but the point is, his primary one is left guard. So now you have plug and play in place of Roger Saffold. And you maintain a high degree of nastiness from a run blocking perspective. So I think that's an ideal uh, pick for them. We talked about receiver being so in, uh, dependent on other things. Well, one of the things that depends on is the blocking up front. Roger Saffold wasn't exactly the best pass protector, right? So now we talk about needing to be able to push the ball down the field. You could do that with better protection. That's why I think Kenyon Green is a really good pick. Zion Johnson as well. He's someone that could play that guard position and eventually move over to center. And then a lot of people will put Traylon Burks in there because, A, he reminds them of A.J. Brown. 
But I'm going to drop a nugget with by the name of Eric Ezukama. And you get him at, at pick 90 or in the high fourth round, like that's day, late day two, early day three. Very similar player to Burks. Actually just didn't do it in the SEC, so it's not as popular. But he is the one, in my opinion, that offers a lot of value as opposed to Burks at, at 20, uh, you know, 29 when they pick, 26 when they pick. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's fascinating to see what they do in the first round because I think there is some real depth on the offensive line in this draft, specifically in the interior. So, you know, I don't think you're going to see a guard drafted there, certainly. I think that's probably later on. And so do they go after a wide receiver, uh, one of those guys? And do any of those top guys maybe slip? Uh, That's something I'm interested in. Uh, If any of those guys who you expect to go higher in that first round fall to 26, is that something that they jump on? to try to get a third wide receiver and really boost that passing game? Or is it more likely a tackle position? I think that's interesting to think about with this Titans team. But there is some depth at the positions that they need. And so whatever they do up top, I think they're going to be active on day two when they finally get to pick and, and on the early part of day three. I think you're going to find some quality players there. And I just I don't think they're going to be able to move out of that 26th pick. Now we'll see how things pan out on draft day, but it, it doesn't seem like the, the run, the run that no, that isn't sexy to talk about, but offensive and defensive linemen in this draft class, that seems to be where the run is, is most likely to occur. That does not impact the quarterback draft. The quarterback draft is an entity in and of itself. And still, I think this plays into their hands for them to find a player that actually plays in his first year on this roster, Isaiah Wilson, a a separate circumstance, Caleb Farley, entirely a different circumstance, uh, not connected to one another other than the fact that they were in the middle of a global pandemic as part of the draft process. And it's really, really hard to try and figure out any kind of semblance of normal normality, much less to try and be a professional athlete in the middle of all this. But there is no, there is no disputing that as, as there is scrutiny on the athletes um, that we're talking about and their ability to produce, and that will ultimately be how this is decided. There's equally as much scrutiny on John Robinson, as far as I'm concerned, because this, this, these last two draft classes, he's, he knows, like we all know, right? His coaching staff knows whether it's, it's, it's as clear and obvious as Des Fitzpatrick was to everybody who was involved or the, the two situations that I just mentioned, they cannot, they cannot continue to glide on this 2019 class because the bill is literally coming due on that 19 class for everybody, but Jeffrey Simmons at the end of this season, and they need some kind of influx of talented young players that can help them right away. And God love Christian Fulton, but he can't do it on his own. And but no one knows that more than John Roberts, because uh, I actually talked to him today for uh, a sit down we're having on Sunday Sports Central on News Channel 5 this weekend. And I just asked him point blank, you've had four contributors, essentially in not even major roles in some cases out of your 14 draft picks in the last two years, that's not going to get it done. And they know that. And you talked about how this may be the end of the road in terms of Tannehill and Henry. At what point is the window on this team closed? You know, at least the way it's currently constructed. There's a lot of good pieces here. The foundation's set. But, you know, a couple years ago, maybe when they first got to the AFC Championship game, it sort of felt like there was a window that was opening that was, you know, three, four, maybe five years long with a 
Derrick Henry in his prime and whatever they put around him. Well, that window sort of appears to be shutting now. It's not closed, but for that reason, I think this weekend is absolutely massive for John Robinson because if he hits the ball out of the park in a draft and gets some guys to fit in, I mean, think about the defense. That defense has 10 guys back. It should be really good. If you find one or two pieces that take that defense to the next level, maybe you go from a fifth or sixth ranked defense in the league to the number one dominant defense in the league. And now you truly are talking about the next level or the offensive side. If you fix a couple of those things, maybe you're back to the offense that was scoring 30, 31 points a game last year, couple or two years ago, coupled with that defense. And now you are a bona fide Super Bowl title contender. That's what we're talking about. You get the job done in this draft. And all of a sudden, I think you look at the Titans very much like a team that could win it all this year. If they don't, now all of a sudden you're looking at a team that may have missed its window. Yeah, TD. And, and with that window, you have to be able to build a foundation for the future. And that's why I asked John Robinson about the if there was a level of frustration in regards to the first-round picks that he's had. And I actually filed a story that will be on ESPN.com next week about the, the first-round picks. Now – they don't have a single first-round pick that made it to a second contract. Not one. Jack Conklin, Adore Jackson, Corey Davis, Rashawn Evans, none of them made it to a second contract. Sure as hell not Isaiah, respectfully. And Isaiah Wilson. He barely made a second, a second season. You know, so I think you have to look at that as well. And that makes this year, this first-round pick, even more important. And, and granted, he's done an excellent job in the back end. You look at uh, the that 19 draft, you got three starters from day two and three, but you really need to be able to add those impact players. Imagine if Isaiah Wilson would have hit, right? Now you're not talking about uh, a right tackle, you know, or an offensive lineman because you didn't have to pick Dylan Ritz to, to help out because, Isaiah Wilson was there. So it's all just like top dominoes. It's just, you know, it's layered, and you have to get those first-round picks right. And that's why it's really important this year that they get it get it together. Yeah, I mean, they're chasing, and this is this is yeah. how the NFL cycle cycle goes. And it's they're, they're a well-run football team overwhelmingly for the most part, but this is the kind of thing that differentiates yeah. a well-run football team between somebody who's actually capable of winning winning substantive football games and not, you know, earning regular season titles, which of course is hugely important and was not being done here at all <laughs> prior to this regime. But now they come into a situation where they have to have to do something in the postseason of consequence, and they need far more contributions than they've been able to get. So news channel five, that's where you can see John Robinson on Sunday night with Steve Lehman. It'll be a great sit down. Make sure that you are listening. We've got uh, less than a week to go to the NFL draft. We'll all be together. It'll be delightful. It'll be like, it'll be like a football summer camp pre pre COVID. It'll be great. Maybe we'll even have a pizza party uh, while we wait for John Robinson and Mike Vrabel to not talk to us about the, the players that they've just picked. Teron Davenport, the Talking with TD podcast is a must listen to program as well as all of the work that he's doing for ESPN 1025. The game across all of their radio shows as well. And of course, ESPN.com is where you can read all of the great work, including that piece on the first round draft picks that will be available for you to read next week. Thank you, boys. Thanks, Buck.